Yo, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. This is a weekly podcast where we, two X-Men wannabes, discuss movies, TV, music, and anything we think you guys might like to listen to. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We have an email where you can send us some funny stories at gopressplay2 at gmail.com or send us a DM via Instagram at pressplayar. That's gopressplay, the number two, at gmail.com and Instagram pressplayar. On today's episode, we'll tell you what we think about the Black Widow and Mulan trailers, and we'll review the movie after the wedding. Riz keeps you informed with the latest in DVDs and music, and we'll end it with Six Degrees of Separation and our fact of the week. But first, quick news. So, it's been confirmed that the Skywalker stars are done with the Star Wars franchise after episode nine, that includes your favorite Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and Adam Driver. But that also includes the originals as well. I mean, obviously, uh, they killed off most of the originals, and and well, Carrie Fisher's uh, characters is alive in the uh, movie, but unfortunately passed away IRL. So it's it this the entire Skywalker, according to Two reports is done after nine films, which I am okay with. I'm okay with two. I think they set up a fantastic, fantastic universe in all these nine episodes. And I think it's time for them to branch out. And I think they're realizing it or realizing how, what's, what's the word? Uh, how profitable it is after they, they saw how fan reacted with the Mandalorian, you know, they have that star Wars seasoned, but they don't have to constantly milk it with, with the Skywalker. The universe is so grand, so, so grand. And I think it's, it's time for them to retire them and to just start off with either a new family, a new saga. And it would be cool for them to maybe 30 years from now, they can, come back as the like Skywalkers the, as like these legendary like how how currently uh Luke's lore was in in oh, these I reboots see. I see you know and then that would be cool to bring them up later on 30 years the 30 year plan they might have a 30 year plan Disney you never know Disney Disney already have their stuff down packed for for a good while and this, with the reboots I'm sorry uh they're like with the Mandalorian there's nods and winks you know what I mean yes. to to the original trilogy uh I think baby Yoda was designed for for a certain reason to get us all obsessed with that show even though it's not Baby Yoda, I'm I'm guessing he's related to Yoda in some way. Or, some way. or their race. I, that's what I'm looking at it. Yeah, but they look so much alike. I demand a DNA test. Do you think that Baby Yoda is like the reincarnation of Yoda? I've read that theory. But hmm. I don't know. <laughs> but I've read that theory. Interesting. I'm I'm okay with it. I think it's a new generation and and I'm looking forward to what what the Star Wars universe has in store for us. But first, let's let's get past this last movie. Let's see what they do. Hopefully, hopefully they end it really well. There's, you know, I've read rumors either way. 
and I'm excited to see it at the end of the month. Me too. The next news we have is that the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids director is in talks to helm a reboot for Disney+. Plus. I'm okay with it. If you guys don't remember or don't know what Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, it's about a scientist played by Rick Moranis who did Little Shop of Horror. Um, mm-hmm. Little mm-hmm. Shop of Horror, Little yeah. Alarm. Okay, sorry. I was about <laughs> to go full production right now. Um, was a scientist and he accidentally shrunk the kids and in the sequel he shrunk himself with with the parents. That was the third one. The uh, second one was whoa. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Which, as a child, seeing, you know, hearing the title of that film, I thought it was something, <laughs> like, completely different. and Something more morbid. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the third one. And Rick Moranis left the spotlight after those movies because his wife passed away of cancer. And he became a full-time dad and, and left the spotlight. And hopefully he does come back. For the reboot, if not, I think I'm totally, uh, I totally understand why he wouldn't, um, because he hasn't been in anything at all, or nothing that I can think of recently, or at least in the last 10 years. He's starting to, to, to come out more. I've, I've heard that he's been going to, to cons and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So I think if they offered him like a cameo or something, I'm sure he would do it. Uh, that'd be amazing to see him again. And that's the movie that I learned that Bananas had potassium. Because in the movie, the kid had like a vitamin K deficiency or something like that. And he fainted. Hmm. And I think it was in the third movie because the parents were, were shrunk. Oh, and I don't think I ever saw the third movie. I was upset that they recast the mother. And who played the mom? I don't know. But they recast her and it pissed me off. And in the movie, the guy faints and the, the mom and the dad is like, oh, like, I think they were like small on the kitchen table. And she saw that his, their daughter helped out with feeding him bananas to raise his potassium level. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, now I know where I, get, I can get my vitamin K or my potassium. I want to say the third one was straight to, to video. I, I, don't, I never saw it. Never saw it. Yeah, I I liked it. I'm okay with it. Hopefully, it does come to Disney Plus again. Reason why we have Disney Plus is for all these videos. And I have another piece of news that turns back to Disney Plus, which isn't as positive. But I'll get to that in a second. Are you done with Honey? I Shrunk the Kid. Yeah, I think I am. But I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, again, Rick Moranis makes a cameo. Yeah, me too. Uh, the next piece of quick news is a little bit of a controversy that uh, I don't think you heard kind of blew up last night. Uh, actor uh, Mena Massad, who played Aladdin in the live-action Aladdin earlier this year, has come out in an interview saying that he hasn't been able to get a single audition since starring in Aladdin, the, the billion-dollar Aladdin Uh and fans are like, wow, that's kind of messed up. And we talked a little bit about how hard it is for certain actors um, to break through or to, to continue on with their career because they aren't white, cisgendered, heterosexual. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of fans were saying, well, hey, 
Dumbo only made $333 million and it's already been greenlit for a sequel. Why hasn't Aladdin been greenlit for a sequel? It is. It is. There, There's literally... I haven't read anything about it. Earlier, while I was setting up the the laptop, I was going into IMPD, and there's two scriptwriters for for the second one. But they seem to be fast-forwarding Dumbo. So, let me get to this new controversy. Okay. Uh, all this stuff, you know, the, the, guy, the actor came out and, you know, said that he hasn't been able to get auditions. Will Smith made a comment. Disney decided that this would be the best week to announce a spin-off show for Disney Plus from Aladdin starring the only white character in the entire movie uh, played by Billy Magnuson. Who did he play? He played one of the princes, a suitor that came. He was like stupid. To oh, yes. The only white actor or white character in the entire movie gets a spinoff. What? And they're, what? they're like dilly-dallying on an Aladdin 2. What? Thank you. That is... They, maybe they could have waited a month to announce that, but... And, and, and I again, didn't even remember Exactly. Him. And I had to like take a second. I'm like, wait, Billy Magnuson was in this movie? What? So what's the the movie or the show will be about? Him in, in his kingdom? He'll be the lead character in his kingdom. Disney? Really Disney? Wow. Yeah, and that's the other piece of Disney Plus news. That, coming coming next year, Whitewashed Aladdin. Yeah, Mina Masood is in the sideline, the lead actor. It's, it's ridiculous. And he, he did a really good job and he showed that he could act, sing, and dance. Now talking about all this all this fuckery that's going on, um Scarlett Johansson, which we'll discuss her in Black Widow later in the trailer, mm-hmm. uh stepped down in her role that she was gonna play a transgender woman. Which I think it was the best thing that she could do in her whole entire life because that was really messed up. And what she said after was, you know, I can pick any any role I mm-hmm. want. But something that you said about actors picking these roles is it's just for Oscar or award season bait. Because then you have all these white people or all these people going, wow. Scarlett Johansson playing a transgender woman. That is so brave. That is, oh my God, that's Oscar worthy. Or Jared Leto playing the transgender woman in, in what's that, Cowboy? Uh, Trans America? No. Uh, whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like No, my... Trans America was Felicity Huffman. Uh, another Felicity one. Felicity Huffman. There brave was actors. Glenn Close that did it a few years ago. And, of course... Uh, Hillary Swank. Won and there's her first another movie Oscar. where yes, for Boys Don't Cry. So you have actual transgender actor actors and actresses that could actually play these roles, and you have cisgender actors and actresses that get them to try to win an Oscar. And it's the same thing about playing gay. It's the same thing about Oh my god, yeah. P- play, but playing gay, go ahead. Playing yeah. someone with like autism or mental, you know, mental like uh Juliette Lewis did a movie. Leonardo DiCaprio played played a kid with autism, and of course, Oscar buzz around Oscar. all of it. So brave, so smart, method to, actors to play someone wow. else's life, and, and it's, it, it's a little offensive. It is. It really is. Like that movie with Stanley Tucci that's about to come out, where he plays a gay man and another uh, 
straight actor also plays a gay man. And I'm like, really? Like, there's no gay actors out there to portray a gay storyline. Yeah, it's it's almost 2020. It's time that we put that to rest. And I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but who was the actor that was going after James Bond? Uh, gay actor. Do you remember? Yes, that does ring a bell. I can't think of a... Of the person's name right now, but yeah. But I think he said something like, you know, people were, were getting on his case. You know, James Bond has to be ha- played by a heterosexual actor because he's a heterosexual person. So, so wait a minute. You're Hollywood. It's okay for a straight person to get a gay transgender role and play as a transgender role or a person or a gay person, but it's not okay for a gay man to play a heterosexual person because even though like let's not put James Bond gay but it they they're still not happy because there's a gay person playing a straight a straight actor so it's it's a double standard in that way right and in my opinion why can't why can't James Bond just be gay for like for a movie or a spin-off movie or why can't why is the lead character always white cisgender gay I mean heterosexual uh, <laughs> cisgender in, gay in these gigantic movies you know have a a movie where just the lead character is gay and it could be played by a gay character that and it doesn't have to be such such a a thing that uh, an actor comes out and they can never get a role again you know, a lead role, excuse me, that's what they say. And well, other than, you know, on here TV or whatever. Do you know or have you heard or you remember uh, the Bond girl that was trans back in the in the 70s and she was outed? She was in the movie and everything. I think you told me. And uh, she was outed and outcast. But y'all need to, like, stop being like little bitches about that. Anyways... Yeah. We are caught up with the mass singer. You skipped it on 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 this one. Disney Plus mass. <laughs> Did I put that? I, I put remember. that. Oh, I added that. Okay, but, yeah, we caught up with the mass singer, and uh, the person who got eliminated was the butterfly, and you guessed it right. It was. Well, it's not that I guessed it right. It's because I have a Google alert for. Uh, actress michelle williams and literally since the show started i've been getting michelle williams is the butterfly and i'm like i don't think that's michelle my michelle williams you know what i mean (laughs) and and you know basically through these google alerts i've been keeping up to date with uh destiny's child michelle williams you know i know basically her entire life because i read the headlines almost every day and it turned out to be it was michelle williams i it's one of my favorite a performer from from this season. I'm shocked that she was eliminated. Such a shame. Uh, and and I kind of mentioned to you that wouldn't it be funny? You know, twist. It was white Michelle Williams <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> that would have been hilarious, but it wasn't meant to be. I loved her her cover for Nora Jones. Uh, don't know why. I, I it was really good. It was really awesome. And and I I I love her so much. I don't watching this made me made me like Michelle Williams a lot more. She no, her voice was amazing. Uh and I I again I don't see why she was eliminated 
Uh, I thought the other guy, who who's who's she up against at the end? Thingamajig. No, um, yeah, it was Thingamajig. I wasn't impressed with his final performance compared to hers. I was sure that Thingamajig was out. Um, they think that uh, he's a basketball player. I, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm starting to think that that the fox is Jamie Fox. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That would that oh that's just amazing if if that's true. Here's a funny uh, Michelle William Michelle William joke Michelle or story Michelle William was being interviewed. Uh, your Michelle William, <laughs> uh, Blue Valentine's Michelle. Right, right. Uh, was being interviewed, I don't know f- with who, maybe Busy Phillips or somebody. And she says that she went to a concert to see Stevie Wonders because her and her daughter loved Stevie Wonders. Yep. So she called ahead and they said, hey, Michelle Williams is going to go be there, you know. So the people at the Stevie Wonders concert thought that it was Destiny Child's Michelle Williams. Yep. So they had it set it up for her liking. And when they showed up, Michelle Williams said, when they saw like my white butt <laughs> and my daughter, they're like, you're not, oh, 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 oh you're that Michelle Williams. <laughs> and it was a complete, complete confusion for them. And but it's amazing that there's confusion between these two, two people. I mean, they're almost the same age. They're both 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 female, but I mean, they're skin pigment. Come on. <laughs> There's another story when Michelle Williams was nominated for Blue Valentine Oscar. Uh, VH1 had like all the actors' um, pictures and who was nominated, and they uh-huh. showed Destiny's Child Michelle Williams. No way. I'm like, oh my god! No way! <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. And talking about Michelle Williams, uh, the producers of Venom Two are considering having the sequel be rated R due to the success of Joker. And this is this. I want to pull my hair out every time this happens because it was stuff like this after the original Deadpool came out. It's like, oh well, now R-rated, you know comic book movies can make profit now we know and it's like it went through a weird like because they considered doing the the first venom r there's like a a cut out there that's yes. more bloody yes um yes. but they decided to go play it safe and do pg-13 so now it's come back around now that another studio has taken a chance and was successful now they're gonna go and do it and why why do you think it's such uh bunch of loops to put this uh put a movie rated r after you have the success not only with joker with deadpool one and two and there was an uh even going back to like kick-ass and mm-hmm. you know they were really successful movies and why do you think it's it's still such a a hassle to just greenlit it and be like hey one plus one is two judging from the past because judging from the past, the producers, the the big wigs, see more of a profit margin for PG thirteen that that younger people will be able to get in and give the movie a, more of a profit. So rated R is more of a chance. Literally, Joker is the biggest rated R movie ever and that literally came out a few months ago and, and it's it, still it didn't, on it didn't do that well like compared to like pg-13 movies mm-hmm. it's not as you know high up 
you know? So I'm sure there's, there's producers in the background, like, Hmm, if we had edited Joker to be PG 13, it probably would have done even more. You know what I mean? That that's the, that, that's the thinking. It's all about profit. Yeah. I and mean, if they could edit it G, they would, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the Joker on Adderall or Paxil. Um, hmm. <laughs> spinoff. Yeah, right. He actually takes his all his medication and he follows through. Um, I say do it, make it R. Just don't cut Michelle Williams slash She Venom. I think like you have what they have with her. It's it's golden. It's fire right they, there. They need to, um, they need to do a, a spinoff. I would be, and she said it. She's like, I want to do a, a, a She Venom spinoff. And that's awesome. I'm all for that. Holy crap. I, I would, like, my head would explode. That'd be amazing. More with superhero news. While his co-stars are campaigning for the release of the, of the Snyder Cut for Batman v Superman, Henry Cavill is campaigning for a proper solo Superman sequel. Yeah, that's that was kind of a surprise to me because I... Well, you know, rumors were that Henry Cavill was out as Superman. I thought so, so too. Uh, but that was never confirmed. I guess it was confirmed that Ben Affleck was out of Batman, out, out as Batman. But apparently he's still attached and, you know, they're just dragging their feet for another Superman. Uh, he, he did an amazing job. Uh, I would like to see, see a new Superman movie. I want to rewatch uh, Man of Steel. I think... I vaguely remember it, to be honest, but it was, I think, a turning point in in superhero movies when they brought it more home, more human, you know? It's not like all that, you know, action, although there was action, but there, it wasn't like your MCU, yeah. it wasn't your your usual superhero. I think it was more of, of a personal a personal uh, connection and it with was, Man it, of Steel. It was Schneider that did Man of Steel? I want to say it was him. What's his first name? Uh, Zach. Zach Schneider. Uh, and no, I remember it uh, generally vividly. I love what they did with, with, the, uh, with the main villain. Uh, I wasn't too impressed. Was Lex Luthor in, in that one? Or he had like a cameo? I think it was... No, I think it was the Justice League. Yeah, he didn't come along until... No, it was Batman, Batman v, v Superman. Superman. Yeah. 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 So he wasn't in, in Man of Steel. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the fans I remember were upset because uh, Superman killed someone or killed the villain in the end. And I said, rock on. You know, the guy was an asshole. He would have come back and, and murdered more people. So I'm glad he killed him. Yeah, I I... I remember online there was a big debate about that as well because in Superman lore, uh, he doesn't kill. Well, also in Superman lore, Lois doesn't know that that he's Superman right away, you know. And Jimmy, Jimmy is not Jenny. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen is not Jenny Olsen, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. So I don't mind these little changes, and sometimes you have to, you know. 
do new stuff to keep it fresh. And I always say that this is the cinematic universe. It's not the carbon copy of the comic book. This is what makes the universe or the cinematic universe the cinematic universe. Uh, The same thing that when people complain about X-Men on the big screen or when they have tidbit about Avengers. You know, this is their universe. This is their story arc. That's their alternate alternate universe you know you can't be upset that it's not copy paste from the comic book because you have people like me who's an x-men fan you know would actually see scene by scene or panel by panel from a comic book on the on the screen and it does become predictable uh and the fans become very anal when they pick and choose and they cherry pick because no one was bitching about vision in in the avengers because in the movie it was tony stark who created vision with the help of of bruce banner and using ultron and all that stuff which in the comic book that is completely false but no one is complaining about that but people bitch about superman killing uh someone in the movie theaters it's it's the universe yeah There's always people like that, and I think that's why they weren't able to do a successful, or at least critical successful, uh, Dark Phoenix that, you know, that made fans happy, you know? Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of the comic book fans, and there's a lot of the the cartoon fans that kind of don't want to stray away from the original material that they grew up on. Yes, And, uh, and somewhat understandable. But what they did with the Dark Phoenix in The Last Stand was was not awesome. But that's a different podcast that we're going to talk about probably in the future. You want to go ahead with the next quick news? Uh, sure. It seems there's a few reboots along the way from a couple movies, movie franchises that it hasn't been that long since, since the last ones have come out. Uh, Maze Runner and Planet of the Apes franchises look like they're going to be getting getting reboots i'm kind of shocked about the planet of the apes this is number four they're gonna they're beating spider-man now aren't they yeah and back in the 70s and 80s i want to say more in the 80s there were a ton of planet of the apes spin-offs and straight to movie oh yeah uh, yeah yeah straight to tv movies uh, and there were some good good movies people were really content about that yes uh Maze Runner reboot, I'm not sure about it. I really liked the first one, and it kind of just fizzled out because it was going on during the age of trilogies with Twilight and Hunger Games. And and, uh, what was that movie that we saw in the theater about the girl and the alien? Divergent. (laughs) With who? I forgot her name. Oh my god! No, it's I know. been erased from my mind. I know it. It's been we, we, Im- imprinted in my mind. We, we can't mention her name anymore, so <laughs> we're gonna move on. Uh, no, but what was the movie? I think it was with Shorty Ronson or somebody like that. Where one like, wasn't it? One of the Breslin sisters, or or something like that. Where, I know. I know what you're talking about, and. And I think at the end she turns into an alien, just or, like an, or a robot, or a robot, or something like that. So yeah, it was around the age of the of the trilogies. Um, or not trilogies, because uh, I don't think Maze Maze Runner was a trilogy. There were four films, uh, or you know, like a ongoing mo- movie based, ongoing uh, franchise sequels, type thing. Yeah. I mean, movie based. I meant, I meant 
uh, book-based. Book-based, yeah. Good, yes. That's a good uh, analogy. Um, But Planet of the Apes, to be honest, I'm very indifferent about that. Um, I hated the Mark Wahlberg one with a bloody passion, even though the end was pretty cool. Um, and I really liked the, the, at least the first two. Oh my God. New ones. Yes. But for whatever reason, I never saw the, the next two after that. And I actually think that I got the third one for black Friday last year or two years ago. I and mean, mm-hmm. it's with mama and, and it, it's sitting there collecting dust, <laughs> but I got it for $4. So, you know, there you go. Sweet. So that's all we have for quick news. We're going to review now some movie trailers. The first movie trailer that we have is Black Widow. It is set to release on May 1st, 2020. And the director is Kate Shortland, who is a director for the movie Lore. And it stars Scarlett Johansson, Rachel Weisz, Florence Pugh, who is from Midsummer. That's right. I love her. David Harbour, William Hurt. And Ray, I'm sorry, Ray Winstone. And the movie synopsis is a film about Natasha Romanoff in her quest between the films Civil War and Infinity War. The movie will focus on getting in touch with her family. Uh, I would like to start off by saying action, 9-10, plot, 3. Because for me, that's very, very cliché. I agree. When I saw the girl that she was fighting in the trailer, I'm like, oh, this is going to turn out to be her sister. And then it turned out to be her sister. That was Florence Pugh? I want to say that too, yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm happy to see her, her in something else because I didn't recognize her. But it's such... They have a formula for these Marvel movies and they need to start doing something else. Otherwise, people are going to stop going to them. And you can see it's very well seasoned uh, with MCU everywhere. Uh, Like I said, it looks like it is going to be action packed. And I think that's what's going to pull in uh, people into the theater. But that whole let's go back to the beginning where it all started, uh, everything started. I feel like that is very safe maybe uh yeah very cliche and very safe they could have done something completely different uh or you know it does take place with civil war and infinity war and she's you know a paid assassin she could have done like a spin-off where she's doing something off to the side you know but i guess they want to explore her 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 lore because it wasn't enough in age of ultron yeah um but i'm thrilled to see rachel rachel weiss she is amazing uh playing her mother i don't i i, I don't think that she's old enough to play scarlett johansson's mother uh, you know let's not get into ageism yeah, with true. hollywood i know i know but <laughs> we just got into uh yeah gender and orientation earlier so let's not do that exactly uh um, regardless i think i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna go see it I, well it's a marvel movie of course we're gonna go see it <laughs> i mean i have no choice <laughs> let's, let's be honest uh but i'm glad i'm glad to finally see her get her solo movie i think like i said i would prefer it be you know before they had killed her off but that's just me yeah I I agree too, but we'll see. And the next movie trailer that we're reviewing? Yeah, the next movie trailer 
that we're reviewing is another live-action Disney movie, Mulan. Who is that girl I see? Which is set to be released March 20th, 2020. I can't believe it's the decade's almost over. Yes. Holy mother. Uh, it's directed by Nikki Caro, who directed The Zookeeper's Wife. Is that the? That's not the one with uh, Robert Pattinson that you're talking about. No, that's it? Water for Elephant with Reese Witherspoon. Okay, all right. Uh, the cast includes uh, Wifey Lee or Yifey Lee, Jet Lee, Lee Gong, Donnie Yen, uh, Yosan An, Jason Scott Lee, and Rosalind Chow. Uh, a young Chinese girl disguises herself as a male warrior in order to save her father. It's a live-action feature film based on Disney's animated Mulan. Mulan. So you want to start off with that one? Uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, I may or may not have been obsessed with Disney movies, starting with The Little Mermaid. Um going on until I think the Hunchback of Notre Dame and Mulan was right after that. So I think Mulan was the first Disney animated movie that I didn't see in the theater since Beauty and the Beast. And I honestly wasn't interested in it. I think I saw it on DVD years later and it was all right. What about you? I liked it. I was, I grew up, you know, although we're about five years apart, but it does make, make a difference on, on oh, what, yeah, of course. What you watch. Of I course. did grew, grew up in in that type of, in the 90s with the Disney animated films. And Mulan was one of my favorite ones. The movie, it seems like it's not going to be shot for shot like in, in the animated or what they tried to do with Beauty and the Beast or with The Lion King. I feel like they're doing this more of a timepiece or a period piece. Uh, but the funny thing is that in the second trailer that we watched, they used every single title of the soundtrack. Yeah, even though the there's not going to be a single song uh, in song the trailer. In so one person's like, I, I'm going to make a man out of you. The other one's like, you will bring honor to us all. And the other one's like, who's the girl I see? And da 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 da. And I'm like, yeah. wow, that's very thing. But um, the, the score that they use, they use the score from. Uh, basically the song uh, Reflection. Reflection, yes. Uh, which was really pretty. That's gorgeous. They, what they did, big orchestra, symphony band, and it was really beautiful. And they're like I said, they're going for a straight-up film. They aren't, it isn't going to be a musical, which uh, either way, doesn't matter to me. I, I have to see it. <laughs> I'm okay with it because I'm okay w- with them trying to do a timepiece or a period piece of it. And on that subject, why is there a witch? Well, here's the thing. In okay. Mulan... Um, the actual lore, you mean? Of Mulan? Uh, well, it, yeah, in the mo- the animated one. Okay. Uh, not like the history. Uh, I'm not oh, too familiar oh. with that. Uh, you have Khan, which is a bad guy. I think he was modeled at, after Kangas Khan. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> In in the animated series or in the animated movie, he has a a bird that goes out and patrols. So I think that she is the iteration of his falcon in the animated movie. Just like the phoenix that we saw in the trailer 
is the replacement for Mushu the dragon. Um, and it will be more like a like a spiritual sign when Mulan needs help to find her way or needs an answer. And I feel like it's more of like she'll appear, the phoenix, and that will give Mulan the idea to do what she needs to do. Rather, Mushu is like slapstick, hardy, har, har. Because I don't think there's no comedy here. And if there is, it's going to be one of those like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think there'll there'll be a little bit of slapstick. Uh, I don't know from who yet, but there will be some sort of Olaf uh, snowman in there. I can oh guarantee God. it. Like that that type of formula for movies, it's getting so played out. The Baby Yoda, the Porg, don't, the don't Olaf, come at Baby Yoda. I will hit you. I guess. I guess. I'm going to go see this movie. It looks really good. It looks very, very beautiful cinematography-wise and uh, soundtrack-wise or music-wise. I feel like it's also going to be amazing. And those two together can really make or break a movie, no matter what movie you make. So, okay, here's a hypothetical question. They're very likely going to have uh, an artist come in and do like the end song which is going to probably be reflections it would i would hope that it, it would be someone of chinese is it chinese or japanese uh china china someone of japanese chinese japanese Whoa. <laughs> wow sorry chinese uh descent who are they gonna get if it's beyonce obviously it's, it can't be beyonce but i can guarantee I, girl i mean boy <laughs> They would they would do whatever it takes to get her there if they want if oh they wanted God. it they will put her in a there, motherfucking kimono. There, there was someone. Oh no, I can get I can see that as well. But who who are they gonna get right now? Me personally, I would pick the girl who sang the song in the movie because the, the original uh, the well the original voice was Ming Ming Li, which is the. The Asian actress in Agents of Shield, Mingna, Mingna Chen, M- Mingna Chen. Thank you for that. But I'm it was a huge fan of Mingna. Uh, but there's an uh, an actual singer who sang the actual reflection song in the movie. That's not Christina Aguilera, uh, and I think they should get her to sing it. All right, I I don't think they're gonna do that. I, I know, I know. I mean, I, w- I would love, and that I wouldn't as be well. surprised if if. Uh, Christina reprises it. They, oh God, I, they need to get uh, like I said a Chinese um, singer, but I yes. can't think of any popular Chinese singers right now. I can think in, of at least one. In the U.S. Who? Utada Hikaru. She was the singer for Kingdom Hearts. All three of the the one. I I said popular. Popular well, maybe would she's be Japanese. like well popular would be well known to like someone a lay person like me. You know what I mean? I guess. Um, but maybe they can bring, bring over someone, uh, a really good singer and start, you know, start a career. Yep. I, I, I agree. Uh, the dogs are going crazy, which means we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our movie review for after the wedding. Starring after this break. <laughs> <laughs> starring Michelle Williams and yes. Julianne Moore, who we both love after the break. And we're back. Now, before we get into the review of After the Wedding, uh, there's some announcements that 
I want to make or we want to make. Pretty big announcement coming up. So we have Get a, ready. Yeah, we have a big uh, loyal fan. Her name is Cynthia, and she sent us a message letting us know that she does love our show, and she thinks it's funny, and and she laughs a lot, but she told us that why don't we review a romantic movie? Because all we talk about is horror or action superhero and movies. superhero movies. Yeah. And she does have a point. So I told her, hey, why don't you just recommend us a a a movie? And she did. She recommended The Notebook. The Notebook. Uh, and I'm kind of excited about it because it's not something that I would... Uh, that I would choose to see on my own. Obviously, it's been out for over 10 years and I haven't seen it yet. Me neither. But Ryan Gosling, you know, is one of my favorite actors. So I'm looking forward to to checking it out. He's one of my favorite Mouseketeers. That's right. <laughs> he, was, he was class uh, 1990s Mouseketeers with Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera. And, and Britney. And, and Britney. Carrie, I say, Carrie Russell. Yes. And... J.C. Chavez. Oh, my goodness. Or Chavez. But, yeah, we're going to... That's going to be our next episode. We're going to review The Notebook. So, if you guys are into that or into that movie or have seen it, uh, let us know what you guys think. And we'll we'll talk about that in the in the next show. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll give a very colorful review. And there's also... Uh, going to be a special guest. Yeah. Our, our very first special guest. We are having our first guest on the show next week to help us review with this movie. Uh, do you want to say it? So much so. <laughs> it's it's going to be Brenda. Yay! We've mentioned her so many times, and you guys are finally going to actually hear from her. She is the owner of Sugartooth Gang. Uh, she is a longtime friend of mine and a friend of ours, and she's uh, ready to, to, to be here. Yeah, I can't wait. So uh, we reviewed, oh, excuse me, we watched After the Wedding. Uh, we actually recorded the first half of this podcast yesterday. Uh, and got up early this morning and uh, had some Dunkin' Donuts. Yum. And rented this movie after the wedding. Uh, it came out August 14th, 2019. Directed by Bart Frendich, who directed the TV series Californication and Mozart in the Jungle. The cast includes Julianne Moore, Michelle Williams, Billy Crudup, Abby Quinn, Alex Asola, and Ver Pachizzi. Pachiza, excuse me. Uh, it's about a, a woman seeking funds for an orphanage in India, played by Michelle Williams. Her name is Isabel. She travels to New York to meet Teresa, a wealthy benefactor. An invitation to attend a wedding ignites a series of events in which the past collides with the present as mysteries unravel. Mm. And I should add that this is actually a remake of a uh, of a Swedish movie from I think 2007, in which uh, Julianne Moore and Michelle Williams characters are played by men. Oh wow! One of them is the actor that played Hannibal, whose name is in the Hannibal in the Hannibal series. Yes, I know, I can see his face in my mind. His I just name can't is think of his, me. Yeah. So this is the English version, and obviously uh, sex swapped. Uh, version of the movie. Awesome. So, uh, shall I, I get into it? Go for it. So, the movie begins... It's with your girl. Uh, my girl, Michelle Williams. <laughs> that, that's kind of why we we, uh, we picked it up to watch. Uh, and it was, it was spur of the moment, because 
we really didn't have a, a movie to review because we were helping my mom move and uh, a lot was happening this weekend and it was just like, let's watch it. Yeah, let's go. And it was. Yeah. But no. There we go. <laughs> no, no, it was perfect. And I'm like, yeah, I wanna, I've been wanting to watch this movie for a while. And you're like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. So it begins with uh, Isabella, Isabel, played by Michelle, the amazing Michelle Williams, Academy Award winning Michelle Williams, four times Academy Award winning Michelle Williams. That was that enough? <laughs> she Not, won the Academy four times? Uh, uh, excuse me, Academy nominated. That's what I thought. And not. The butterfly on the mass singer, not that <laughs> Michelle Williams. Uh, she is uh, running, working for an orphanage in India, uh, and she is invited to uh, the states, to New York, to meet with a benefactor who wants to give two million dollars to the orphanage. And normally, she wouldn't want to go, but. And they they try to, like, send other people from the orphanage, but uh, this benefactor wants her, Isabel, to go personally. Yeah, she doesn't seem a reason why to go. Uh, One thing that she does say is, like, she didn't have to go to teach these people what compassion was. Exactly. You know, we've sent everything through through emails and, and... through internet, through phone calls and all that stuff. And she really doesn't seem the yeah the and interest of going to New York until her manager says it's for $2 million. And exactly. then that's when she's like, hold up. Yep. Let me pack my bags. Uh, so obviously this is getting the audience thinking, why do they want her in particular to go? And why do they want her to go at all? Yes. So she gets there. They put her up in an amazing hotel, a uh, a penthouse suite. Uh, she has a car to go anywhere she wants. She has any food she wants. And then she goes to meet with the benefactor, who turns out to be uh, Julianne Moore. Uh, the character's name... Uh, oh, shoot. Teresa. Uh, Teresa. And Teresa's like, oh, yeah. She Michelle Williams starts giving her the, the pitch about why her organi- organization is amazing. And Julianne Moore... Uh, is like, oh, that's that's all fantastic. That's fantastic. We should discuss this on Monday, though, while I, I decide. And Michelle's like, uh, Isabel's like, I thought it was already decided. Yeah, she when she got there, uh, Isabel, she went straight to business. Uh, she didn't want to waste no time. And at that moment, yeah, Teresa was giving her small talk. She was uh, showing her how busy she was and and. Isabel wasn't really interested in, in, in none of that, but to help the orphanage uh, seek funds. Exactly. So she's like, well, you know, I'm making the decision. I have a few other charities I might want to. Uh, why, don't, why don't we discuss this for lunch on Monday? But my daughter's getting married tomorrow. So, hey, why don't you come to the wedding? Yeah. And, and she finds that all perplexed because she thought she was under the impression that she... Teresa already decided on funding her orphanage. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So at first she's like, not really. But then, you know, for $2 million, I'll go to a wedding, I guess. Yeah. For people I've never met before. Or Mm -hmm. so she thought. So uh, flash forward to the wedding. Um, Michelle Williams, uh, Isabel, gets there late. 
after the bride had already walked down the aisle, being given away by both the mother and the father, Julianne Moore and Billy Cudruff, uh, Teresa and uh, Mike. I don't remember his name. I Do- it doesn't matter. Uh, so she gets there. She gets, she finds her seat. She kind of looks around, and all of a sudden, uh, Teresa's husband, played by Billy Cudruff, kind of turns his head, and you could tell by her face that she know, excuse me, knows him. And, you know, Michelle Williams, she tells a story with just her face and her yes. eyes. And that's why I love her so much. And you're like, oh, crap. What? Wait, what is exactly is going on? I like how in this movie, the director was very subtle with all his shots. But they were so, like, you can tell what what was going on. on yeah he didn't need to spell out everything for you and that's Correct. Some, that's something yes. that i liked as well like a scene would end agree and like they wouldn't need to say a certain thing like like you said is this recording yes oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> like like you said about the scene where uh where michelle williams is in india and and the the lady says you know, they're offering $2 million and they don't, she doesn't have to say, well, let me go pack my bags. You just tell by her face. And then the yes. next scene, she's Correct. off to New York. Another thing that I wanted to uh, mention that I mentioned to you is there's a scene where Julianne Moore, uh, Teresa is walking her dog and she has absolutely no makeup. And I just like the, the natural of it, that it's not that like Hollywood, you know, Saw foundation because mm-hmm. you're still going for a walk, and I'm like, this is awesome. This is what like real woman women do. Like, it, yeah. I, I just like that part. Yeah, it, it was more, more, more of a human connection to to me, the audience. But uh, go on with what you were saying that she's at the wedding, and so yeah, so she's looking at her uh, at uh, the husband, and she's like, holy crap. Or from her facial facial expressions, holy crap. So she runs into the house and she finds a book that it is who she thinks it is. It's She finds his name and it's his artist book. He's an artist. Well, yeah, like a sculptor. Um, and it, does she confront him there? Or no, she goes back and she sits down and at, during the bag. reception. And she has like a douchebag trying to talk her up or whatever. And... The daughter, uh, I forget her name as well in the in the movie. Well, she's played by Abby, Abby Quinn, Quinn um, who does a beautiful. I think it was song. Maggie. I think it's Maggie. Uh, she's doing this speech, and she she said how how much she loves her parents, and then she went into a story about her mother, about how she chose her, about how her father was walking down the street, and he came across a woman with red hair, and. Uh, Abby or Maggie as a baby grabbed the hair and you know they it was like a sign that exactly. you know that was going to be her her mommy so yeah so he uh obviously fell in love with, with uh Teresa Julian Moore's character and in that moment again you see uh Isabel's eyes Michelle Williams eyes Speak. she's she's putting two and two together yeah we still don't know though exactly what's going on. Yeah, but I she obviously, obviously she yes. knows. She knows. We're like, wait, wait, what is going on? So at that time, we're thinking that it's uh, somebody from the past, obviously, like a boyfriend. Um, but at that, 
it still hasn't really, really tied everything together because throughout that part of the the movie of the wedding, we still don't know what yeah. what's Teresa's motives. We're we're still learning exactly what's going on, and uh, there's a great scene. I know it, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the plot, but I, I love the scene where. Uh, Isabel goes off to collect herself on the pier, and the douchebag that was sitting next to her like brings a bottle of wine and two glasses. Oh yeah, I, I, I need to get away from there. He, he tried to talk her, yes. talk her up, and he kept going and going. And she just has this face, and she finally turns to him. She's like, "Get the hell away from me!" Like in this <laughs> Michelle Williams, God, she's amazing. She's awesome, and she's that's freaking awesome. And uh, that's when finally the confrontation happens with. Uh, Billy Cudrup, he comes over and he and he's like, "Question: Doesn't Teresa cause her over?" Oh well, that's that that happens, but like they do because that's they that's, meet before and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what are you're you doing right, here?" You're right. And then that's when Teresa comes over and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" Uh, oh, they pretend like they don't know each other. At I'm first. glad you can make it. This yeah, is my yeah, husband. Yeah. Exactly. Da, 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 and exactly. All, uh, yeah, and all that small chit chat. They take a picture. I remember that exactly. So they, uh, we're gonna have to pause for just a second. I have a cake in the oven. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> okay, guys, sorry about we're that. We're back. Uh, cake is out of the oven. Yes. Uh, so uh, finally, uh, Billy Cutterup goes over to Isabel, and he's like, "Wait, what's going on? What are you? What are you doing here?" And you know, there's like, they go back and forth a little bit and she's like, what did you do? You know? Yeah. And, you know, at this point I'm thinking, of course, that Isabel is is Maggie's mother. But what does she mean by what did you do? Yes. Like, what could he have done? And a million things are going going through my head. And he's like, I'll, I'll call you. And that's how it ended. And uh, flash forward to the scene where she comes to the house. Yeah. So we find out. By putting two, two, two and two together that Michelle Williams is uh, Maggie's mom. Likely. But, at this point, like, it's likely. Yeah. So it seems like Teresa calls her or she just shows up. She just shows up. Okay. So she just shows up and she's like, WTF, guys. She, what's going on? Yeah. She takes uh, Billy Cudrup and... Uh, Pulls him to and, the side. And Teresa off to the side. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she goes... You said you would call me, and you didn't, and now I'm here. And that's was in the living room. Maggie and her new husband were opening up wedding presents, and that you know the whole immediate family was just there. So she pulls uh, Teresa and her husband to the kitchen and was like, "This is a really fuck twisted thing that's going on right now. And why is Teresa like there's like this weird triangle because Teresa reached out to Isabella right. to to donate this fund and now she's here and it happened to be her husband and they're together and then she is with the daughter and then we find out right uh Teresa's like I had no idea I had no idea I'm like you had no idea what Yes, and, that's right, because and, she was denying it that she had no idea that there was a correlation. Right. And we find out that, of course, that uh, Billy Cudrup and Isabel were together and they had a baby, but they put it up for adoption. And as soon as uh, Isabel came out, you know, had the baby, she left and 
uh, apparently Billy Cudrup went back and he claimed the baby. And he told Maggie that his mother or her mother had died. Yeah. So there's a huge confrontation uh, between them. Uh, Billy Cudrup gets very emotional. Yes. And it, it seems that they were they were happy together, but this this pregnancy and this choice to put it up for adoption tore their relationship apart. Um, so she went off apparently to India, um, and he reclaimed the baby and met Julianne Moore and raised her. Correct. Um, we all that happens. Sorry, yeah. I, I just had a brain Whoa. fart, and I feel like I was reliving that that big news. Oh. And uh, at the end of that scene, uh, Isabel tell tells Billy Cudrup that you 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 either tell her or I do yeah. with meaning Maggie. Yeah. About correct. And now that I'm thinking about it when talking about earlier how Julianne Moore's character Teresa went out for a walk with the dog, she found a nest with right. broken eggs. Right. Um three three eggs. Three eggs. And she took it um and throughout the beginning of up to now what we're talking about she has been taking these medications we think that it's either bipolar depression or maybe she can't have a a child because when she was talking to Isabel about her kids she said oh i have Maggie and my twins and i really tried really really hard for them right. so maybe it was like an infertility thing but again what was Teresa's motive and it, it was because, just come too on. much of a coincidence there's no way that that she didn't know that there was there was a correlation between the two so after all that uh the next time they uh, they tell Maggie they yes because they tell they they tell Maggie about Michelle Williams. Yeah, and Maggie yes. Maggie had lived her life thinking that her mother died at birth. Correct. And then she shows up at the penthouse that Isabel is staying at. And, and there's, an, there's an interesting scene between her and her new husband where uh, he's dropping her off at the hotel to see Isabel. And he's like, you know, she's not... She's not even your mother, so what's the big deal? You already have a great mom. Like, what a freaking douchebag. Yeah. And she, and the look, and again, Abby Quinn did an amazing job in that scene. She looked at him. This is Abby Quinn, the young actress, not Abby Quinn, the MTV VJ for all of us 80s kids. Who the hell is she? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just I just blew 80s people's minds. Wow. Downtown Julie Brown, too. Shout out. I know her. I okay, know her. Well, everyone knows her. her. Uh, so, yeah, what a douchebag. And her eyes in that moment just told a story. Mm -hmm. um, so she goes up to, and it, it was a great scene in that hotel room. It was not a lot said. Oh Again, <laughs> I'm not a lot. And then. You don't I, need a lot said in a scene like that. Though it was the writing, Though the writing in the movie was good as well. That was an intense scene. It and was just them. It wasn't like awkward either. It was just like this. They subtle were, fluidity they between shared them. a soda <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh this it was an intense scene i i, I paused that for a second because ibdm gave it a 6.1 and i don't i think i think it was a, a little bit better we'll, we'll give that. our we'll give our ratings um but um and and at the end of that scene uh they exchange phone numbers and they're like we'll meet again because 
Maggie's like, I have a lot of questions. Yes. And Billy Cudrup said that, you know, when she, when they, when, I'm sorry, when he and Isabel were talking, he said, oh, you gave her up. And Isabel's like, no, we both decided that we were going to. That's a pretty shitty thing to do. Set this baby up for adoption. And that was what we both agreed that we were going to set her up for adoption. And we both were going to take our separate ways. You lied to me. You came back. You went back and And then it made, obviously, Michelle Williams' character, Isabel, look like a shitty person, which she wasn't. She was doing what was mutual with her partner at the time. And, And I don't think that Maggie thought that she was a shitty person because she. You know, she didn't know. She did say it when she was talking later, in the later, later scene um, that the best choice that she did was to give her life. That she knew that she was going to be a bad mom and she wasn't had the capability to take care of her. But she knew that out of all that, the best decision was to give her life and to bring her to this world. And I think that gave her comfort and that gave her a little bit of closure. So... A lot of intense scenes. It still has this this question: Why did, why did Teresa orchestrate this whole thing to bring this woman over to you know make this this gigantic donation? You know, because she's rich as hell and she owns this gigantic company. Uh, and she was only supposed to be there for a week, but she kept extending it for two days, three days, two more days, and she's like, "Hey, I got to go back to India. That's where my life has been." But she, right. but Teresa keeps extending it for more because of paperwork and 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 due diligence and things like that about the donation. So we're we're you know that's that's kind of a new or not a new mystery, but a, a pretty big mystery. Why why is she there, or why did she why did she do all of this? And is there something? Is she setting her up? Is she setting them both up? Before you give the big reveal about it, she's... Oh, I had a little bit to go before the reveal. Oh, <laughs> but sorry. Okay. Are you also going to mention that she's also going to sell her company? Because yeah, yeah. she's doing that and as that's well. Some, that's something you didn't you didn't pick up on at the no, beginning. In no. The, in the original interview when Isabel came to meet with Teresa, she mentioned that she had a physical and, you know, uh, you have to jump through hoops when you're selling your company. And that's something that I picked up picked up. On as something that why would they mention that? Yes, at all. Yes, yes. So yeah, she's also in the process of a very successful woman in media. Uh, all of a sudden, she's selling her company. Right. Um, continue with with the second interview that she tells Isabel. Well, to... yeah. There's um, there's a second interview, and she's like, "Please, you know, I need you to stay just for a few more days." And I'll extend, I want to, you know, give more to, to the, to your orphanage. Uh, instead of $2 million, I want it to be a continuing relationship over 10 years, $20 million. But I want to put it, put it in a trust for, in your name and Maggie's name. And holy crap. Uh, she's like, wait, holy crap. She's like, uh, I just, I want you to stay for a few more days. I'm actually going to, you know, go see my sister in D.C., yeah. With with the two little two little twins, um, and I want you to you know talk to Maggie, talk to Oliver. Oliver yes. is the husband's name. Talk to Oliver. I just want you all to bond while I'm out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is her freaking motive? I know. Like at first, she comes off a bit like bitchy because you know this successful woman that you know she doesn't take shit from nobody, not even her husband. She's earned it and all this stuff. And I'm like. 
Um, and then she, throughout the throughout the movie, she wants to give it away, but she's giving off like a blase, like yeah. here's the money, uh, so whatever. And it's I like have, I don't I'm really so care. Yeah, yeah. She Michelle Williams would start to talk about the charity, and she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, okay, yeah. But, and then you know the the days that she's gone go by pretty fast. They you know she, Michelle uh, Isabella and Oliver have. Kind of an interesting scene where they where they kind of mellowly talk about what happened. Yes. Um, but uh, Oliver does go into um, into Teresa's closet, which she did have a bit of a of a panic attack when she found out that, that he was in her closet before, um, and he took a nest. And we thought, you know, it was just her thing that she found, and she was upset that she took it. Yes. But he went in and he found. A locked box, and you know he found a key. He wanted to see what she was hiding, and he found a lot of medication that uh, that she was taking. So he waited till she got home, and he confronted her. And we find out that she's she's dying, uh, and it comes out to light that that was the reason why she brought over Isabel. That's why she was selling the company. Right. Uh, she apparently wanted Isabel to have this relationship uh, with her mother because she herself was dying. Um, yeah. And that's where the second meeting comes in with the contracts, where uh, Isabel is going over the contract and she's like, wait, there's a few things that I that are I a little to off. talk about. Yeah. Uh, it stipulates that I stay in New York for 10 years. Yeah. And she's like, I have to go back to India. I have to go back to, to, to the, the kids. To the, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she starts she starts freaking out. And that's when an intense, intense scene happens. Both of them knocked it out in that Holy scene. crap. Uh, let's just say one of them tells the other that I'm not going to, you know, lick your asshole for $20 million. Because <laughs> <laughs> at that point, Isabel doesn't know why exactly. she's so adamant to have her here. Like, just as as much of a philanthropist she, she is, she's like, just give me the money so I can go yeah, back. Like, exactly. why do you have me here? Why are you torturing me? I find out that, you know, my my daughter is not adopted. You're with my uh, my ex-boyfriend slash husband, fiance. Great. Like, why? And then she runs out and she's like, yeah, no. Yeah, because Isabel storms out and uh, Teresa's Teresa chases her and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she reveals it. I'm dying and I I need you. I need you to watch your watch our daughter. I need you to she basically says I need you to watch my kid, my Correct. twins. My and twins. You do the math, the twins are eight years old, ten years, you know, that's until they're adults. Yeah. Which is you know, to me shocking and it kind of makes me tear up a little mm. bit. Um it was kind she, of kind she of wanted beautiful. to set it up, you know, and besides of having a stranger or a big CEO, lawyer, whatever, handling the money. What more than than Isabel, the, the actual mother of her daughter? And out of all the roughness of Teresa that she she put off, she planned it out to make it for her because she's like, you're humble, you're a good person. You and the, yeah, you, because she investigated her. Yeah, and she she saw her through thoroughly. Aww. Well, she saw her. <laughs> she saw just a little. <laughs> she saw her thoroughly um, through her daughter. She said, "Like she, she, she said that she sees 
uh, her mm-hmm. and her daughter. Yes. You know, and you know that's that. I'm sure that's that's one of the many reasons why she decided to do this. And at first, Isabel's like, you know. She didn't know what to do. And then before all that, Isabel's like, I want to stay at least six months here and six months in India. She's like, nope, Nope. you have to stay here 10 years here. Because she knew that likely she was going to get together with her husband afterwards. Yep. Because they were very much in love before the baby happened. They And then uh, Billy or Oliver and, and Isabel tells Maggie that her mom is is dying and then they have a moment together uh about that well the moment that i was thinking of was when she goes to isabel crying that you know she just married this guy and she wants to divorce him she's yeah. unhappy she should have listened to her parents that she was too young to to get to married. get married um they were only together for two years. It was that was an intense intense scene as well and that's when isabel decided that, you know, again, not in words. Um, well, actually in words, because she called she called India mm-hmm. to, to say it. And um, after the contract was signed, that's when uh, there was a conversation between Abby and her mom, Maggie and her mom. Yeah. Uh, because uh, uh, Oliver and Isabel decided that they that she had to know. She had to know. And she was scared shitless and... and it was a very, very emotional, yeah. emotional She's like, confrontation. She, she said that she had the right to know because she had the right to be able to tell her goodbye, to tell her everything that she felt about mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And she would, should have not preoccupied her life, uh, her, uh, her life with other things like getting married. Exactly. Um, um, and that she would have been upset if she just woke up and found out her mom died and she wasn't able to tell her these things. Yeah. Um, and that was a an intense scene as well. Uh, so uh, Isabel decided to to stay. And that yeah. after that emotional scene, there was an even more emotional scene. Oh, my God. How are neither of these two actresses being considered for for Oscars this for year? This, for this for movie, this movie, yeah. uh, there it's, was a, another intense scene between Teresa and Oliver, in which she finally, 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 finally breaks down and is just like, "I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave." Oh my god, intense as hell, and both of, and both of them are amazing in that scene. Yeah, they break, they completely break down, and her walls just fall off, and she's like, "I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared to die." And then it, it cuts to black, and the next scene, you mm-hmm. have Teresa, Oliver, the twins, Maggie, and the dog in the forest with a box that looks like a urn with Teresa's ashes and. They go to like what seems like a sculptor that I'm assuming Oliver yeah. designed and spread her ashes there. At the same time, it's like a split scene with Isabel uh, in India, going back to India, and everyone's very happy to see her. To pack up her stuff. Um, to pack up her stuff to, to go back to New York. And she has a little boy who's played by Vera Pashicia. Um, well, I and- figured it was the... The orphanage, the lady, the, the manager. Orphanage. No, no, no. Okay, I, yeah. Vera Pashicia is the little boy. He that did she's, an amazing job. Yeah, that she's been caring for about 
eight years because he's eight two. Um, and, and she said that she considered. She told Maggie that she considered him basically her son since she raised him since he was one. Mm-hmm. She found him uh, on the side of the street. So when uh, Veer's character comes home from from school, she finds he finds out. I'm sorry that Isabel is there and he's happy to see her. And Isabel tells uh, him, hey, why don't we go to, to New York and, and live with me? And well, she asks him, "How what, would you like to come to New York with me and live with me? And he's like, no. He said, <laughs> no, I'll miss my friends too much. Yep. And she's like, but won't, but won't you miss me? And he goes, you can visit. And he goes off to play. And it's an emotional scene. I, I, I wish that... Well, I mean, obviously that's how the, the story was going to go. I wish that the character, which is a weird thing to say, had been like, do you want me to adopt you? Do you want, do you want to be out of an orphanage? Do you want me to be your real mom? You know, which she didn't do, which I don't know. I'm glad that he stayed and I'm glad that he decided not to. I feel like it's not cliche and it made the kid yeah, more more connected to his home and and his people and i it made him seem like he knew that she wasn't his mom yeah whereas isabel did thought that he was his kid yeah uh, she was he was her kid i'm sorry right. um and it was a very um realistic and i guess idealistic part of the kid's character to 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 say something so grounded like that yeah and be like i want to go play with my friends and you can tell that she was hurt when she found out or when she knew and i guess it slowly went went away and uh it pans out and and the movie just ends right there yeah that was an wow. intense movie. <laughs> I I liked it a lot more than I than I was expecting. I I was expecting a lot of melodrama, and I kind of, I kind of knew going into it. You know, I read a passing spoiler that uh, that Isabel would would end up being the daughter's mother, and I I I stopped right there. I didn't think there would be more twists than that, and it kind of kept you on the edge of your seat. Like, what exactly is going on? Uh what about you? I really liked it. I agreed. I agree with you in thinking that it was going to be super melodramatic, super like sappy and like it got you to a place where you're like, I deal me all really guys. Yeah. Uh, but cinematography wise, it, like I said at the top, it was subtle, but really great. The writing was superb. The cast together was amazing. Holy crap. Julianne Moore, Michelle William, Billy Cudrup, and Abby Quinn were just am- sensational together. Amazing they were really well. Amazing performances. Um, I really enjoyed it way more than I, I, I anticipated as well. That's I, why you never go by by the ra- other people's ratings. And this know? is an indie uh, indie film. Indie film. Yeah. You know, um, I, I looked it up on online to see where it was being played, and it's like one twenty miles away from us. Well, it did. It did like briefly it was briefly at aventura we did have the option to see it and you you, you wanted to see it and yes, i'm like i, I remember you know, it's i i thought it would be too melodramatic for like a day out of the movies even though i love michelle williams and i kind of do wish we saw it now 
I but, feel like this is a movie like what we did. An early morning movie. Just hang out in your bed. Make yourself coffee. Have breakfast and just watch this movie. Um, and and I think you'll you'll enjoy it for people who, who like this type of, of movie. Yeah. I give it from 1 to 5. I want to give it a 4.5. That's exactly my score. I give it a 4.5, which I think might be one of the highest scored movies so far. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. In, intense. Go Sweet. see it. Uh, sorry for all the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our podcast is always spoiler because we yeah. review the movie. So, you know, we're not the, entire... the ones. If you don't want spoilers. Yeah, just skip our reviews and yeah, go back after just you press see the play, movie. play, like the name of our show, and just let Mute it go. It. Okay. Let it go. <laughs> and let it go. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about are, is some DVDs and music that are out this week or for the coming week. And you have some special news with one of your favorite uh, artists from the 90s. So I guess I'll let you take a lead with this. Woohoo! Uh, new DVDs out this week, uh, Ready or Not. We saw that, right? Yes, that's yes. the wedding one. Yes, awesome movie. Funny movie. We rev- we also reviewed that. Check that out. <laughs> Uh, they all know that. They, they've listened to every episode. Uh, the Goldfinch is out, and Love Tide is out. Oh, I bit my lip when I said Tide. Uh, new music, Camila Cabello with her new album, Romance. Uh, Stormzy and Blake Shelton with Fully Loaded God's Country. That's got to be one album for me. Wow. Uh, not, not a lot of music comes out in December. Uh Moving on to music from the 90s, my, one of my favorite artists, Alanis Morissette, uh, has been doing a lot of uh, press for her Broadway show. I mentioned a little bit in the last in the last uh, in the last podcast. Uh, she revealed finally after eight years that she was going to release a new album. Oh, and BTW, the first singles coming out. Tomorrow, which was December 1st. December, okay, it happened December 1st, and the, the single came out December 2nd. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god! You know, it was another long 24 hours for me. The new, the, the single is called uh, Reasons I Drink. And I really the, like that name. The, the album is actually set to do set to come out in May 1st so it's almost 5 months away or it is 5 it's over 5 months away which usually they release a single 3 months before the album so i obviously the reason they released reasons i drink uh is cuz of the holidays cuz <laughs> that you know that's something that people will be like oh that's funny to play and any any gimmick that you can that you can that you can put in there uh i really like the single uh, I, I want to say for me, it's one of her strongest first singles, uh, since under rug swept in 2000, uh, 2002, I want to say hands clean, which is a fantastic song. Uh, the other first singles since then have been a little too gen- generic and she hasn't taken a lot of risks. But I'm liking this song. It's it's n- not sounding like any anything she's done before, which I think is important for an artist to grow. And uh But you can tell that it's seasoned with her. Like it's it's such an Alanis Morissette oh, song. Though. The the lyrics, come on. 
These are the reasons. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> Uh, I, I wish I knew the first line because it's so Alanis Morissette. Uh, and she also announced that she's going to, in 2020, be touring in support of the 25th anniversary of her biggest album, Jagged Little Pill. Uh, and she's coming down here. We're going to see her in West Palm Beach on June 18th. Wow. I, I I'm really open. I'm really looking forward to that, I'm to be honest. I'm freaking thrilled. I can't wait. I can't think of a garbage uh, name uh, song. That's right. She's touring with Garbage and, and Liz Fair. Liz Fair. Um, and I, I, I'm sure I've heard a ton of Liz Fair songs. I couldn't tell you any. And I like Garbage. <laughs> like, in general. <laughs> my, I love you, Garbage. You've, you've heard my music collection. I like a lot of Garbage. No. <laughs> awesome. So you're ready for Six Degrees of Separation? I um, ready, willing, and able. So I'm gonna going to collect, connect, I'm sorry, Gal Gadot, who has a trailer that's coming out soon, was really hoping to for it to come out, so, but I think we're going to review that for the next podcast. Yeah, it doesn't come out until like 1 Wait. o'clock in the morning or something. <laughs> Gal Gadot and uh, Michelle Williams. Oh, Michelle Williams, okay. Uh... Okay, well, it can't... Okay. Uh, Gal Gadot... Godot, isn't it Godot? Uh, she is in Wonder Woman with Chris Pines, and I'm not, I can't obviously do a movie that hasn't come out or been shot yet, but just, just FYI, uh, Chris Pine and Michelle Williams are both signed on to a movie called All the Old Knives, in which they play spies. That's too easy. Well, I know, I know. But they, about... they haven't they haven't shot it yet, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that way. I have another way. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Bueno, so she was bueno. she was in Wonder Woman with Chris Pine. Uh, Chris Pine did Into the Woods with Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep was in The Hours with Julianne Moore. Hmm. And Julianne Moore was in After the Wedding with Michelle Williams. Wow, that's pretty cool, babe. Awesome. And our fact of the week is in the movie, the Dallas Buyers Club had a makeup budget of only $250. The movie budget was so low in total. And the film artists were able to work with it and the film's makeup and hairstyling department won an Oscar that year. Damn. Yep, and that's the fact of the week, and you can do whatever you want with it, because it's not mine. Because he doesn't have the budget for it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, but, but, but what's that? What's that? That's the end of our show. <laughs> we hope you enjoy our show, and we thank you for listening. Uh... Please follow us on Instagram <laughs> or press play AR for updated content and info about our show. Thank you for hanging out with us this week. We love to hear from our devoted listeners. So email us at gopressplay2 at gmail.com. That's gopressplay, the number two at gmail.com. Any funny stories or if you have an opinion about something, let us know. Yep. This is Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey. And I'm Riz. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.